A reading from the prophet Isaiah. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army, the reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honour me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the desert and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The second reading is a reading from Paul's letter to the Philippians. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews in regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for righteousness, based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surprising worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and the participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so, somehow, attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all of these, or have already arrived at my goal, But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honour. Martha served, while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table. Then Mary took about half a litre of pure nard, an expensive perfume, and she poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why waste? Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. 
Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise you, O Christ. I don't know about you, but I'm really quite excited by the selection of the new Pope, the appointment of Pope Francis I, even though I'm not a Roman Catholic, obviously. Only time will tell, of course, but I'm impressed by a man who has kissed and washed the feet of AIDS patients, who turned down the bishop's house in Buenos Aires and lived in a small flat cooking for himself. A man with pastoral care for 200 million Roman Catholics. Incredible. Who prefers to travel by bus. There he is in the white, you can spot him. Who prefers to travel by bus rather than use the limousine or private transport. Who has urged his cardinals to find new ways to bring evangelization to the ends of the earth. Those were his words. In other words, to bring the good news of the gospel to every corner of the world. It's a new beginning for the Roman Catholic Church, perhaps, and new beginnings are wonderful opportunities to put the past behind us and to look forward with fresh purpose and vision to a better future. And today's readings have much to say about new beginnings and looking forward. Firstly, um, the passage from Isaiah. It's, uh, It's on page 730 of your Bibles, if you've got your Bibles. Then, when Isaiah wrote the passage from our first reading, the Israelites were still living in exile in Babylon, and they could not see a way out of captivity. And the people looked back on a time when God had seemed to be on their side. He had rescued them from slavery in Egypt and led them to the promised land. But then as they turned their backs on God over the years, they were eventually driven out and taken captive, this time by the Babylonians. But speaking through the prophet Isaiah, God says in verse 18, he says, Forget the former things, do not dwell on the past, see, I am doing a new thing. Now, of course, I may be excited that God is doing a new thing in the Roman Catholic Church, perhaps. But I expect there are some nervous, anxious people, because change is always unsettling. When Jesus burst onto the scene in first century Israel, some 650 years after Isaiah wrote those words, many of the people, and especially the religious people, the churchgoers of their day, were unsettled and anxious about what Jesus said and did. Like our Gospel reading this morning, which is on page 1079 of the Church Bibles. Can you imagine getting an invitation to have dinner at Mary and Martha's house, whose brother Lazarus had died a few weeks earlier? You know, you've been to his funeral... Um, imagine arriving at the house for dinner and Martha, one of, one of Lazarus' sisters, greets you at the door and takes you through to the dining room and there, reclining at the table, 
says the gospel, is Lazarus, no doubt chatting to the dinner guests and eating dinner. And you go kind of, hi Lazarus, Lazarus? I came to your funeral four weeks ago, what are you doing? How come you're alive? Wouldn't it have been so exciting to be around Jesus? We've been learning on both the Bible Overview course and the Alpha course recently that God is in the business of restoring his creation. Restoring the world to his new kingdom in which all things one day will be made new. And we live in the in-between times. We live in the time between when Jesus walked the earth and ushered in the new kingdom and the time when he will return and all of creation will be restored and made new. But until then, until then, we get foretastes, glimpses, if you like, of that new kingdom breaking into our world. And when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, it was only, sorry, it was not only a miracle that foretold Jesus' resurrection, but it was a sign of what the future will be for all those who put their trust in Jesus. Resurrection to new and then eternal life. God is always doing a new thing because he's always in the business of restoring his creation. And he's in the business of restoring people's lives. But sometimes, even when that new thing is a very good thing, people get upset. They don't like change. They don't like surprises. And the religious people of Jesus' day didn't like the new things which Jesus was doing because it challenged the hundreds of years of Jewish thought and tradition on which they based their own faith. And so they plotted to kill not just Jesus but Lazarus as well because Lazarus was drawing the very fact that Jesus had brought him back from the dead In the two verses after the passage that's printed in the sheet, it tells us that many people were being won over to Jesus because he had brought Lazarus back from the dead. The religious people didn't like the new thing that God was doing. And this is a challenge to all of us today. When God, speaking through the prophet Isaiah, said, See, I'm doing a new thing, he follows on immediately with, Now it springs up, do you not perceive it? Can't you see what I'm doing, he says. And our challenge today is to perceive what new thing God is doing today and not to dwell on the past because we don't want to miss out on what God has for us in the future. So how can we avoid making that mistake? Well, after all, we are the religious people of our day, the churchgoers. How can we discern what God is doing today. Well, in our reading from Paul the Apostle's letter to the church in Philippi, Paul describes his own personal spiritual journey from being a persecutor of the early church to being an out-and-out, full-on follower of Jesus. And he begins that passage by describing his religious credentials. Verses 4 and 5, he said he was circumcised when he was eight days old, according to Jewish custom. Um, He was descended from the tribe of Benjamin, one of the great tribes of Judah. A Hebrew of Hebrews, he calls himself. In other words, a blue-blooded Jew. In regard to the law, a Pharisee. In other words, he kept every law perfectly. 
He never put a foot wrong. And yet, because he could not see the new thing that God was doing, he persecuted the early church. He was there commending the people who stoned Stephen to death. And he was on the Damascus Road to persecute Christians in that city later on. And those of us who know a bit about Paul's Damascus Road experience will remember that on that road, while on his way to persecute more Christians in Damascus, he had an encounter with the risen Jesus. And he was subsequently filled with the Holy Spirit and his life was changed forever. And he became a follower of Jesus instead of a persecutor. And when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we are in step with God. Because the Holy Spirit is the power of God in us. And he guides us. And in verse 7 and 8, he tells us that he now considers all those religious credentials and traditions as nothing compared to the surpassing worth, in other words, the amazing experience and joy and wonder of knowing Christ Jesus, for whose sake, Paul says, he has lost everything. He's, he's happy to let go of everything else. And in just the same way as God spoke through the prophet Isaiah, saying, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past, Paul says in verse 13 that his new attitude is forgetting what is behind and straining on to what is ahead. He presses on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called him heavenwards. What's the goal? Christ Jesus. In other words, he's been prepared to say goodbye to all those things which he used to hold precious because the only thing of any value to him now is to know and follow Jesus. Now why should we, why should we do this? Why should we follow Paul's example? Why should we be prepared to leave behind what we know and to risk stepping out into something new? Well, Paul gives us the answer, if you like, in verse 9. He says, having said that he considers all of those religious credentials as worthless, he explains that real righteousness, in other words, our, our good standing with God, our relationship with God, doesn't come from obeying lots of laws, but by faith in Jesus Christ. And so Paul's whole purpose in life became the goal of taking the good news of Jesus to as many people in as many places as possible. Truly living out the great commission that Jesus had given all his followers to go and make disciples of all nations. And and I've been kind of reflecting on these passages and asking what this might mean for us as individuals and as a church and as one of the churches in this area of Reading. And the first thing that I want to reflect on is that I think God is doing a new thing here in the southwest of Reading. And not just in St. Matthew's. In the last couple of years, he's brought new leadership into all three of the Southcote churches. And I think there's a greater sense of unity and of working together, of those churches working together, than perhaps than there's ever been before. We not only meet and pray together, we quite often worship together, we do mission together, we put on events together, we support one another. The psalmist said how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity, for there the Lord 
bestows his blessing. And Jesus prayed for all believers that they would come to complete unity because then the world would believe. So I think one of the things that God is doing is he's uniting his churches here in Southcote. But I think he's doing a new thing within the churches too, including St. Matthew's. The church has been growing now for about 20 months, and it's still growing. Um, There's a few less of us here today because of the Reading Marathon, perhaps of the rain, but it is. And what we can't do is to sit on our laurels and think, okay, we've done it. We've got children back in the church. We've got young families back in the church. We've done our job. I'm so glad that the job isn't done. I would hate to retire. (laughs) I'm enjoying myself too much. But we're incredibly blessed. And on most Sundays, these days, we get in excess of 40 children. And so a new generation is growing up in Southcote, learning about God's love for them. But you know, just here in, 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 just here in, the, three, in, the, sorry, in the two primary schools, in this particular area of our parish, the Southcote area, there are 700 primary school children. If 50 were going to the Grange and 50 were going to the Mission and 50 were going to St. Matthew's, there would still be 550 not hearing about God's love for them. And that is so sad on the one hand, but what a great challenge on the other. And so while we have come a long way in the last 20 months together, we are in many ways still only at the beginning in bringing the good news of the gospel to the people of our parish. And so how are we, how are we to act in order to reach more of them? Well, I think three things have been tumbling out of these passages that we've heard this morning. And I think firstly, God says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. He asks his people to always be ready to leave behind what is not important in order to join in with what he is doing. The Grange Church is saying goodbye to its organ because they never use it, or they hardly ever use it, and they need to free up space in order to put a cafe in the back of the church so that they can have an after-schools cafe for mothers and children, and, and well, parents and children who are picking their children up from school and reach out to the parish. That's a great example. Luckily, our organ isn't in, in the way of, of our social space. But that's the kind of thing. Secondly, God, so that's the first thing, is being prepared to, to leave behind the things that aren't important. The second thing that comes out of these passages is that God is in the restoration business. Through Isaiah, he promised to restore his people if they would join in with him. He restored dead Lazarus to new life again as a sign of his kingdom. He restored Saul, who became Paul, the the Christian persecutor, to becoming an avid follower of Jesus. And through the power of salvation, one on the cross, and the power of the Holy Spirit in every believer, he promises to restore each person's life who accepts his invitation to follow him. And thirdly, he calls us not to rest on our laurels, not to think that the job is done, but to press on together in even greater unity toward the goal to which Christ Jesus has called us.
And, and I'd just like to finish now with a, a time of just quiet and, and, and silence for us to kind of meditate on. Um, as we just think about what it might be that we have to leave behind in order to join in with what God is doing. Where it is that we might need restoring and how we can be part of that restoration process. And to consider how we might join in with God and press on toward the goal to which he's called us, to be a thriving, growing church, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ and serving the community. Let's just have a time of silence. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you that you are always doing a new thing in order to restore your world, in order to give us the power to let go of the things that aren't needed and to press on towards those that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen.